The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Today's message is the first part of the fifth sermon in our series on the book of Haggai. Today we pick up in the second chapter of the book of Haggai after the children of Israel have begun the work of rebuilding the temple. You may recall that this work had been stopped for about 15 years, and because of the distractions of their personal lives, they became complacent in the work of God, and the work of God lay dormant for 15 years. However, we saw in the last message that through the preaching of Haggai, the children of Israel were reinvigorated for the work of God and began to do what God had told them to do when they returned from captivity. But almost immediately, as always happens, opposition arose. Today's message is the first part of a message of encouragement that God sent through Haggai to the children of Israel to help them deal with that discouragement. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
Let's turn back over to the book of Haggai again, and uh, Lord willing, we'll move on tonight into this second chapter of this book. Um, you may recall that just by quick review that uh, this is a time when the children of Israel had gone back home from the captivity and had supposed to have started building the temple, but they stopped. Uh, they got stopped by the king and some opposition that arose. And, and then 15 years later, they still hadn't started back. So Haggai and Zechariah come on the scene and begin to, begin to upbraid them under the inspiration of God. And then we saw last time that, uh, praise the Lord, they listen. <laughs> the people listen. After Haggai preached and Zechariah preached, we're told that uh, the work that had stopped for 15 years got started back. The leaders and the people both uh, feared the Lord. And, and it says in verse 14 of chapter 1, they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. This was just about... 30 days or so after the, the, maybe three weeks, really, after the message was preached. So in the four, and, verse 15 says, In the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius, Darius the king, that's when they got started back. So the work began to progress, and they began to pursue it. Now, you can read about this in Ezra, and we're, we're going to go back to Ezra briefly tonight, but not going to stay there too long. I, I'm not so much concerned with the details of the rebuilding project as with what happens when they start back the work of God. I think we made mention of this last time, that whenever you start doing what God wants you to do, there will be opposition. There will be opposition. I mean... We've been blessed here at this church. We've been very blessed uh, at the growth and, the, and, and the, the wonderful things the Lord has done. But we all know it hadn't been without opposition. It hadn't been without problems. Uh, and, and we're going to see sometimes the problems are outside. More often the problems are inside the church. And we've been through some of those ups and downs. And we will continue to if we're doing God's will. You know, the, the prosperity gospel of just name it and claim it and have enough faith and all your problems will smooth out, your mortgage will get paid and all this, this pie in the sky, buy and buy stuff does not work out here on earth. And my point about that is in the, in the sixth month is when the work began and you're going to notice in chapter 2 in the seventh month God had to Send them a message of encouragement because guess what? Opposition had arisen again. Opposition arose against them. Notice in chapter 2 and verse 1. In the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, and he goes on to tell them some things that we're going to come back to in a minute. But my, what I really wanted to point out to you there is how that the opposition has already arisen just about a month into the rebuilding project. I'll tell you this, I'll never forget when I surrendered to the call to preach. First of all, let me just say this about the call to preach. If anybody, any man comes up and says he's been called to preach, there, there's one thing for certain about that call. God's not just going to tell that person, <laughs> okay? It's going to be evident to other people. Uh, that's one thing we have to be careful of, that when a man has a call to preach, other people will know it. God does not keep that a secret. 
But be that as it may, uh, that's sort of a rabbit trail. But what I wanted to, what I got on that was to tell you about my visit with my pastor at the time. And I sat down with him, and I just had a great visit. He was so encouraging. But I could tell there was something, Brother Mackey, he was just a little bit held, holding back. And finally, before we left, before we separated, he said, well, Brother Chris, I got something I want to say to you. And, and he, he was so encouraging, as I said, but he said, this is something you need to know. He said, be prepared. You've never had an assault of Satan like you're about to have because you're now acknowledging what God's will is for your life and you're moving forward. You know, he was right. He was right. It didn't come from the church. It came from without. And then I kept that in mind to the point where in October of um, 2011, when I joined here, uh, I knew that I was doing what the Lord's will was for my life. But I'll tell you this, within three months, I had the worst assault from Satan that I had ever had up to that point. It didn't have anything to do with church. It had to do with the work I was doing, the job I had. And I'm telling you, it was an assault. It was tough for months I had to deal with, with this particular problem. And it, it was just weighing me down. But I knew, praise God for Brother Spann. He told me to be prepared. You see, the prosperity gospel preachers won't tell you that. But I'm so thankful for Brother Spann for telling me that. And I'm going to tell you that, that when you do what God wants you to do, sometimes you have a greater assault from Satan than you've ever had. But you know what happens too? God, you also, and we're going to see, God is sending them a message of encouragement because it's there for you. God's encouragement, God's support, God's help and aid is there for us in the midst of those assaults. So here we see the people obeyed, and immediately opposition began to arise. Now, we are going to turn back over to Ezra and look first in the fourth chapter, and we're going to see that they faced opposition from without. They faced opposition from without. Now, they'd already faced that before. In the fourth chapter here, in verses, let's just read just a couple of verses here. When the this is the first time, when they first went back and started to rebuild the temple. When the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, then they came to Zerubbabel to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as ye do, and we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Azarhaddon, the king of Asher, which brought up, us up hither. Now, one of the ways that the opposition originally arose was, was for the enemies of God to try to slip in to the building project and to try to come into the inside and destroy it and tear it down from the inside. And, and that's tantamount today to the world coming in and saying, oh, look, we're all working for the same place. Let's just join up together. That's just, you know, I know, you know, sometimes we as primitive Baptists get... Uh, uh, get made fun of or, or looked down upon because you don't, we don't have any entertainment uh, for, the, for the youth. We don't have basketball courts and gyms and we don't have choirs. We don't have uh, uh, bands and those kinds of things. So, you know, what do you, come on, what's wrong with us just joining with you? Let's go in together and let's just have an ecumenical service, one that's, that's across denominations and don't worry about denominations. You know, beloved, we are, a non, we are in one sense a non-denominational church. We don't believe in denominations. 
But we do have a name. And Baptists throughout the centuries have been called Baptists for a reason. They've been called Baptists because they're identifiable by their practice and by their preaching. Now, I realize today many who bear the name Baptist look nothing like the Baptist look 100, looked 100 years ago. And I also realize that the articles of faith of many Baptist churches today bear no resemblance to the articles of faith that some of them were originally constituted under. But the problem is they've gotten away from those articles of faith. And now many Baptist churches that bear the name Baptist don't look anything like the Baptists of 100 years ago. And in fact, there are churches that used to be Baptists that have taken their name off. I don't want to get off into a Baptist history lesson, but I want you to understand that Baptists are not Protestants. Baptists are not Protestants. Protestants came into being in the 1500s, 1517, when it's when the Protestant Reformation began by Martin Luther, and, and many other churches with bearing denominational names were formed from that point forward, but Baptists already existed. They were called Anabaptists back then, which literally meant rebaptizers. That's what, uh, in the Council of Trent, I said I wasn't going to get into Baptist history, but I am, just for briefly. In the Council of Trent in 1535, which was the, the sort of the pinnacle of the Counter-Reformation, the Catholic Church, you know, the Reformation occurred, and, and Martin Luther and John Calvin and others, and of course King Henry VIII of England didn't have any interest in theology. He just wanted to marry another woman and get divorced from the one he was married to. And that's how the English Reformation started. But, but anyway, in that time frame, all this Protestant Reformation was going on. And the Catholic Church decided they were going to have a counter-reformation. So they, they called the Council of Trent in 1535. I believe the cardinal's name was Hosius, but don't hold me to this. But there's a quote out there by, by that certain cardinal that said that he was talking about all the, you know, the Presbyterians and the, and the Lutherans and the, the Anglicans and all. And he said, and if the Anabaptists hadn't been so numerous throughout the centuries, we would have exterminated all of them. And that's not an exact quote, but that's essentially what he said. In other words, acknowledging that even before the Reformation, there were Anabaptists, there were those who rebaptized, and that was one of the hallmarks of Baptists throughout the centuries, is, is they will not, would not accept other types of, uh, of baptisms like sprinkling or infant baptism and that sort of thing. They made, uh, they made their members come forward. If they, if they wanted to join the church, they had believer's baptism. You had, to, you, know, you had to be a believer in Christ in order to be baptized, and that's our requirement today. We don't baptize babies because babies don't, uh, aren't able to believe. They aren't able to confess, if you will. Uh, now, we understand that confession and believing doesn't make you a child of God. That's the evidence that you are one. But baptism is predicated upon a confession of your belief in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, here we have the first attempt at a non-denominational combined service. <laughs> Let us come work with you. Let us come... Let us come. It, it, hey, we're serving the same God. You ever heard somebody say, oh, we're all working for the same place? Well, the problem with that is it's not that they're not children of God. P please remember, God has his children in every kindred, nation, tongue, and tribe. Include, it doesn't matter if you're Methodist, Catholic, Presbyterian. It, God has children everywhere. As Brother Ricky Harcrow said, there's even some primitive Baptists that are his children. <laughs> 
<laughs> Praise God, right? <laughs> but we're none of us his children because of what church we belong to. But there is also truth that we ought to believe and ought to adhere to, both in practice and in our preaching. So here they tried to come in and join together, and, and Zerubbabel said, no, we're not going to let you do it. Verse 3, Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the children of Israel said unto them, Ye have nothing to do with us to build a house to our God, but we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel, as Cyrus the king of Persia hath commanded us. Okay? So first of all, they tried to infiltrate. Then it says in verse 4, Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. Now, you got to hate the work of God a lot in order to spend your own money to try to oppose it. But do you know the devil hates the work of God and the kingdom of God so much that he will cause men to expend resources of, that they that they wouldn't spend on other things in order to oppose the work of God's kingdom. They even hired counselors. And what happened here, as we've already seen, is they got to the king, Darius. Cyrus was the king who sent them home. And by the time this started, Darius was the king. And they went to him and he stopped the work. And then, you know the rest of the story, it ceased for 15 years. But now, in chapter 5... We, see, we read that to see that the opposition is, is so similar whenever opposition arises. In chapter 5, the prophets Haggai and Zechariah prophesied unto the Jews, and, and we're told that verse 2, Then rose up Zerubbabel and Joshua, the son of Josedek, and began to build the house of God. And then in verse 3, down through the end of that chapter, we begin to see that once again the opposition has arisen. Now, now remember, this is not the first time. This is the second time it's come up. Now, now can't you just hear, you think about people you know. Think about people that are, can't you just hear the problems or the um, complaining that's going on? Here we go again. Oh, we've seen this before. Well, I guess we might as well give up. They stopped us before for 15 years. Here we go again. <laughs> you see, that's, you know, it's, I got to admit, I've always told you about confession, you know. I'm a terrible I told you so kind of person, you know. It's so hard for me. When I've told somebody, if you do this, this is going to happen, and they do it anyway, I just have to bite my tongue, Brother James, in order to not say, I told you so, okay. But you know there were people there in those days that said, well, I told you so. I tried to tell you, Zerubbabel. Here we go again, and there's the opposition again. <laughs> in verse 3, it says, Tatnai and Shathar Bosnai and their companions came. And I'm skipping over some now. You know, I'm not reading the whole verse. You, you can read it. But notice at the end of the verse it says, Who hath commanded you to build this house and to make up this wall? Now, they didn't come to them inquisitive. They came to them mocking. Who? Who commanded you to do this? What do you think you're doing? That's what they're doing here. You are, what do you think you're doing here? And like I said, I'm sure there were some standing around that said, here we go again. I told them if we start it back, it's going to be a problem. But this time, and this time notice that they began to, they began a letter writing campaign. Verse 6, he puts in here a copy of the letter that Tatnai, who was one of the en enemies of God, and all the other enemies came together. They sent a letter to Darius and told him what was going on, okay? 
And, and they, so they began this letter-writing campaign. Uh, no doubt they hired counselors again, just like they had before. But the most important opposition, I believe, that came up was opposition that arose from within. I, I wanna, we'll come back to the opposition that's from without. But right now, let's turn our thoughts to the opposition that arose from within. Because I'll be honest with you, I can withstand the assaults of Satan that come upon us as a church from the outside. But it's the problems that arise from the inside that threaten us more than anything the devil can throw at us from the outside. So going back to keep your finger in Ezra, but going back over here to Haggai, you remember what we said? We're only one month into the project. And God is already having to send them a message of encouragement. You're going to see if you continue reading there in chapter 5 and chapter 6 that, that they successfully opposed the, the assaults from outside the kingdom of God. But there were some problems and discouragement that arose from inside. That I, and I'll tell you, based on my experience... And reading this, but not just reading this, my experience in the kingdom of God, the, the, the problems and discouragement from inside threaten more than those attacks from the outside. Notice, as you begin reading there, it said, In the seventh month, back in Haggai chapter 2, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai. He said, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, now listen, who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? If you go back over there and finish reading the story of the second effort to rebuild the temple and the opposition from outside, you'll see that it was so easily defeated. By the way, teaching us a lesson that if they had just pushed the envelope 15 years earlier... Instead of just giving up, they could have had that temple built already. All that had to happen was that the, when the letter writing campaign started, they wrote a letter and they asked Darius the king to search the records and he did. And he found where Cyrus had said for them to go back and build the temple. And so he sent a commandment to those enemies of God and enemies of his kingdom and said, not only are they allowed to rebuild it, you're going to help them. <laughs> Anything you've got that would help them, you've got to give it to them. The wood, whatever it is, you, you give them safe passage. They successfully uh, defeated that opposition. But notice what has happened. From within the kingdom of God, opposition has arisen in the form of discouragement. They are comparing this temple with the first temple. And I'm sorry, this temple is much less glorious than the temple of Solomon. You may recall back over in Ezra, when they first laid the foundations of the temple. And you know, I got to say, I suspect this is one of the reasons it was so easy to get them to stop building it. In the third chapter, in about the 12th verse, we're told that some of the ancient men who had been children when they were taken captive, who had seen the original temple of Solomon, and they had been gone for 70 years into captivity, and now they go back and they lay the foundation of the new temple. You know what happened? They said, wait a minute, this is nothing compared to Solomon's temple. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. 
If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J, C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.